Welcome back to this podcast. Today is Thursday, December the 15th, and back into the podcast. Back again, y'all. A little bit late this week. This thir- no, actually, we've been doing this two weeks in a row, but we're going to get two out this week. Um, I'm going to say this now, kind of spoiler alert. We're all, probably only going to do one next week, like almost guaranteed. It's going to be week of Christmas next week. I don't want to put any extra pressure on this try to get two out. I still have a bunch of shopping to do. I'm not sure how you are, Jace, when it comes to your shopping for people. Oh, you're in a good spot. I know I have a lot of shopping to do on top of working and all that. So we're going to be running around doing different things. So probably only do one next week. But this week we'll get out two for sure. Um, and then probably the week after we'll still probably end up doing two because there's still so many games and stuff going on. Especially that's the week going into the playoff. So we'll have lots of stuff to talk about breaking down those playoff games and a lot of the big bowl games. But today... We're going to keep it simple. I want to start with a big complaint that I have as a fan of a certain team of mine being the Ohio State Buckeyes. This is a complaint. This is not one of those, uh, not not just a complaint. It is more of like a, uh, a, not psychological, but like a um, philosophical issue that I have seen with the Ohio State fan base over the last four or five days or so. And I just wanted to get the, get it out and kind of talk about it. I'm, I'm not sure Jace will even care about this whatsoever, but I think, I think even then, I think he would like the chaos that is going on with a fan base that should have nothing to complain about. Okay. And then after that, we'll kind of go into the um, NFL stuff, talk about the last week's games, and then kind of have some, a few of the, few of the uh, spare stories and stuff like that to kind of go end off the podcast. So my complaint being an Ohio State fan in the last couple weeks or so, there it is going into recruiting week. I mean, not recruiting week, but signing day. It is going to be the early signing day on Wednesday of next week. Um, I believe is like the 21st. Yeah, I believe it's the 21st for is early signing day for high school recruits to then sign their letters of intent to go into college football. So they sign that letter of intent pretty much saying, hey, I'm going to go to this school um, and this is where I'm going to start my college career. And honestly, if you listen to this podcast and you've seen anything about college football before this is this has already been a noticeable thing like you know this so i don't know why i'm kind of going through rehashing what college recruiting is but it's been a big story for a while because ohio state is they have i believe the fifth or sixth ranked recruiting class as of right now and there has been a few high profile recruits that ohio state has either lost from Players decommitting, um, Mark Fletcher, a running back going from Ohio State to Miami. Um, there's a couple other recruits that Ohio State's still in the running for that that are trending, kind of going towards other schools because of the big three-letter word, well, not three-letter phrase, that is going on in college right now, NIL. And with that, that is money that a school is willing to pay, willing to, via collectives, or by the school themselves, willing to pay a player to say, hey, come to our school and you will get a certain amount of money. It is legal now. It has been long known that that has been a thing that has happened under the table for so long. But another name for NIL is now it's legal. So now there are schools throwing around a lot of money. We've talked about this part before. My, uh, We're talking Miami. We're talking about Florida. We're talking Tennessee. We're talking, uh, why am I forgetting another one? Uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Like, quick, Texas. Would you say that it's easier for some people to do NIL? Like, if a Miami was to do an NIL, they get to sit in the position of, hey, come to Miami, you get good weather, you get a, we're a decent school, mm-hmm. you get this money, and you have to live in Miami. Yep. 
there's a lot of compared to a Texas to an A and M or I don't know where A and M's at. Texas. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, dip. My that is profound. Holy shit, that is profound. Oh my god, I could not tell you how you thought of that, but that is, oh my god, that is magic. Low-hanging fruit is what they call it, I guess. I'm not even, I'm done. <laughs> All right, I'm going to, you actually had a really good point going there, is that, yes, NILs now turned itself into a bigger piece of the, um, the pie that is a college recruit nowadays. So, it used to be, hey, where am I going to get developed? Where am I going to get a decent education if you have decent parents? Um, where am I going to get developed? I'm sorry, I already said develop, but as a student and as a player, um, where am I going to get drafted? And those are kind of, oh, and weather obviously also being a big impact as well. Weather, um, where you want to live, closer to home, um, far, how far are you away from home? All those things are a factor, as well as relationships with other recruits and players on already on the team and with coaches. All that being the case. So now, over the last two years now, NIL money has started to become a bigger, a so actually it's a pot it's a piece of the pie now because now it's legal it's also becoming a bigger and bigger slice of what is on a recruit's mind whether we like it or not a lot of these recruits are coming from areas where their parents are not able to pay all their bills a lot of these kids are looked at as their family's meal ticket to getting out of bad places and it is their first shot to really get outside of the situation that they're in. And now, because NIL is such a big deal for college sports, these kids are now looking at this. They're not just looking at the NFL now as their meal ticket. They're looking at, hey, there's a chance I can start to get paid now, real money, so I can change my life and my family's life. And obviously, it's not crazy amounts of money, but if you're throwing potentially millions of dollars at a kid, 18 years old coming in, like that's a lot of money to an 18-year-old and their family if they've are if they've been struggling. So now with that being a bigger piece of the pie, Ohio State has we've talked about about this before, Jace, has been on the side of, hey, we're not gonna throw we're gonna give you some money, but we're not gonna throw you absorbent amounts of money, and we're not gonna guarantee you money when you haven't done diddly squat for our team yet. There are players on our team that has been playing for us for years that have earned it, and they are gonna get the buku bucks that you see college players getting. We're not going to be like Texas A&M, Miami, sitting there saying, we're going to give you millions of dollars just to come here before you've done a thing. And this is a lot like what Georgia's doing. Georgia's kind of doing the same thing. Bama kind of has the same mentality. Um, the Blue Bloods where they're like, hey, we're big enough to where we can survive without without you. And that being, But here's the problem. What has kind of turned into a bigger deal over the last few weeks is that even with Ohio State, Bama, and Georgia still kind of running it the same way, Georgia and Bama are still giving out more money. And with all that being the case, and I'm not sure as to why, it is some people say it's because of bigger donors that are already donating to the school rather have their name on a building than to actually give the money straight to recruits, which that that is something I'll talk about later. Um, maybe it's because the collectives that come together and that dole out all this money aren't giving getting enough money from regular people because these collectives that are created can get donations from regular people. I can go on to a website right now and say I will pledge a certain amount of money a month 
um, just keep going. I'll just give you money every month to go towards getting these players and paying the players that are already there. And it has been a big deal because Ohio State fans are, and this is where this gets piques my interest as to why I hate Ohio State fans, although well, some, a good portion of them, not good, yeah. They are complaining about Ohio State missing out on the top flight recruits. I'm talking the tippity top. Um, there's Don, there's like uh, there's a defensive end that is potentially going to Georgia, and a lot of the things that are cited is because Ohio State's not willing to pay more money. And Ohio State fans are really mad about that. They want to complain. They want to say Ohio State can't recruit. They need they need to step things up. Why can't they get all these players? And then when Gene Smith comes out and says, "Hey, we need more money to go to these collectives." Go ahead and donate if you if you have the ability to in order to get these players in. People want to complain about that and say, why do, why should I have to give to a collective when I'm paying two hundred dollars a ticket? Those two things that is a that is a good um, argument if you are willing to let guys like that go. And what has annoyed me is that people want to complain about Ohio State not being able to get all the recruits that they want because of nil money. But then they also want to complain that they're not willing to give their heart, give some of their hard-earned money to, in order to get those players. So I, there is a blame pie to go around here, and I keep saying pie. I don't know why, but it just seems to make sense in this situation. The blame pie here is partially the school. I'm going to give the school around thirty, around a fifty percent blame pie on this situation because you know why is because they should be using the big donors. I'm talking when they have sponsorships with, with McDonald's and all these huge, much bigger brands. That is money they could be putting portion of that towards players. And for a long time, they have put a lot of that money towards building new facilities, putting new buildings up for the campus. And a lot. So there is a port and let's be honest. A lot of these sponsorships are coming because of the football team. So I think they need to decide to give some of that money up to the players. And I think the bigger sponsorships have to be willing to know that their their money is partially going to go right into players pockets. That's one thing. Second, and then on the other half, I give it 50% on the fan side. I think it is a mixture of um, unrealistic expectations, which you talk to me about this all the time, Jace, is that we always have unrealistic expectations for Ohio State football and the way they should be performing. But I think it's even getting out of hand now where you're not even recognizing that you're living in a different time. And now that NIL is such a big deal, you have to be willing to accept one of two realities. Either you're going to live on the side where you don't want to give at all and you don't you don't think that Ohio State, you should be giving money towards these collectives, then you have to accept the fact that there are going to be players, top flight, top flight players, that are going to want to go to Ohio State but can't because they want to get more money for their families. And you can't sit there and call them greedy. You can't sit there and say that they're not good enough to go to Ohio State. You can't then bash those players for making decisions to get more money from somebody else. If you're not, if you can't have that complaint about those players, if you're not willing to sit there and say, hey, I'm willing to give some of my hard-earned money to go to these collectives to help get these players. Because on the other side, if you want those top flight recruits, then you have to be willing to pay. And you have to be willing to accept the idea that um, the, oh, I was said that if you're not willing to pay, then you have to be willing to say that there's going to be players that you're not going to get. And if you want those players and you really want to be the best at everything, which is not possible, even if you give all the money in the world, 
Not all the not every great player is going to go to Ohio State. It's not going to happen. It's not how recruiting works. And with that becoming the idea, you have to be willing to pay, give some money because that is what everybody else is doing. Bama has a collective that has hundred like ten thousand people paying ten dollars a month. That's you're getting millions of dollars a year just from that, not including big donors and stuff like that get to give out to players. So if all that be, is being the case, then you have to you have to accept one or two cents of reality. And I feel like if you want to sit on one side of it, then you have to understand where you sit on it and you can't complain about how things go on the back end. And what makes this all very, very minute is a few days later, Ohio State gets a four-star quarterback commit and then you get a five-star wide receiver commit. And then people want to forget like this never happened and they didn't have all these crazy complaints and they weren't blaming Ryan Day. And they had they they the the, the sky was falling a few a few days ago because you're worried about not getting defensive end recruits, but now that you're going to get a quarterback recruit and a wide receiver recruit that are very highly touted, then you're like, oh, things are right as rain. People have to recognize that they have that when they spout all these crazy stuff on Twitter, players see that. Not only players, other fans see that. Fans from different different teams see that. And they that stuff gets shared, and they look at these players and say, "Say, hey, you're going to go to this team where they have this toxic fan base, where they they can't seem to be get their act together when it comes to whether to support you or um, to love you." Hey, C.J. Stroud goes and he uh, talks about how people were talking about J.S.N. and people were like, "Hey, he just wanted to sit out; he didn't actually want to play." While Ohio State was not really giving everybody the real. All, all the information as to how injured JSN was and why he can't play. And CJ Stroud says all this and talks about how his his um his legacy shouldn't be looked at so terribly at Ohio State. And people are like, hey, you're getting paid millions of dollars. Stop complaining. And so there is a certain portion of this fan base that is super toxic and it makes me sick sometimes. And I think I wrote this on Twitter is that stuff like that makes me feel like Ohio State fans don't deserve like at some point you have to recognize these players don't have to play Ohio State. They can choose to play anybody anywhere else. And at some point it is a privilege to be a fan to have these players come and play for you because at the end of the day it is a it's television. It is it is a it is a not a, it's not I wouldn't say it's a play, but it's like a uh it's an act. It is a TV show. And you that talent you get to see on TV every Saturday is not a right as an Ohio State fan, you don't. It is not a a God given right that you get to watch a good football team, and all of that can end in a second if you decide to be super toxic. And I just think Ohio State fans don't recognize how how fleeting talented guys and talented coaches are. And I think people need to get their head on straight and get their heads out of their own butts and recognize that. Stop complaining all the time. I think things could be a heck of a lot worse. And I think that's what Jay is something you say all the time. You guys complain about so much when you have so much already. And I get it. There's things we can do better. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy that says that things can't get better. There's things that Ohio State can do better. But at the end of the day, you have to recognize there are a lot of things that you have. And I think always striving for more is a good thing, but also can be a very toxic thing if you can't get your own head on straight and recognize. And you can't yet to see the forest of the trees. And I think that's something that not a lot of crazy fanatical fans are good at. And that's it for my complaint about Ohio State fans. 
<laughs> I get it. That was a huge rant. Jason really doesn't really care about situations, so he doesn't really talk about it. He didn't really have it other than when I messed up the whole Texas A&M chat um, part of it. Um, he didn't really have a lot to say, but I had. I just want to make sure I got that off my chest because honestly, when I see a lot of these toxic fan, toxic fans, it really ruins it because I know these players see it. So I just don't want their whole experience to be ruined by and think that all Ohio State fans are terrible and are toxic when there's a lot of us out here that are appreciative of the talents that they have and I we love watching them play and we love they chose to be a part of Ohio State history and Ohio State lore. And that's it. All right. Off college football stuff, Jace, you can you can jump back into the conversation now into something you are a lot more excited about. Happy? <laughs> Are you going to stay quiet? You're going to say something? Did I sound stupid that whole time? You I'm 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 ready for I'm ready for all, all any critique that you have. This is already everything I've already known. You're saying everything I've already known about your team. For sure. And about your fans. This yep. isn't some of your fans, this is all of them. It's not all of them. It is all of them. Not all of them are this time. I bet this is majority. I can I can get down with that. I'm talking like 70/30. Not a 50/50, 70/30. Um, I don't want to believe that, but when it's, it's the, way too true. The, the loudest fans are the ones that are the craziest, and they're, they're the speaking. And unfortunately, on those are the ones that are getting the most likes. There, yep, likes, retweets. That is true. That is very. So true. this is everything that's already been known. Yeah. Eventually, your school's gonna have to understand. Not everybody wants to come to you just because you're the better school. There is money talks, and it's talking louder than you are. I wouldn't say louder because we it's just clearly talking louder. You have not one top ten recruit. What are you talking about? Show me your your recruits. You have not one top ten. Okay, maybe not. We don't have. You don't have a top twenty five. <sighs> You're gonna make me go to. I am because you don't have one. One top twenty five. One top twenty five. Um. Your first one starts twenty six. Eh, twenty nine. Oh wow! It's even you almost have a you don't you, you almost don't have a top thirty. Yep, that is true. As of right now, we have meaning money is talking louder than you. We are. have shots at two recruits that are in the top twenty-five. Shots. That's so it's not a guarantee. We are we are there thoroughly. We'll know by next week. Then we'll have a better better look at it. Like I said, but money's next, talking louder okay, than you. Okay, are. but you say that. But then in twenty twenty-four class, we have the top two overall recruits in the whole class of next year. So. But how, being the top quarterback and the guarantee? top wide receiver, yes, is that a guarantee over the next year? Yes, over the you're saying they can't like they oh will they not can't de- decommit. Oh, oh, yeah for sure. There's a chance they can decommit. So nothing's guaranteed until they sign those papers. But I will say the wide receivers don't decommit from Ohio State. Hasn't happened yet. Brian Hartline is a Again, gem of a coach. Nothing is guaranteed until they sign those papers. That is true. Nothing is guaranteed. You're right. But I think there's two places right now that are putting out great quarterback and wide receiver recruits. And that is whoever's with Lincoln Riley and whoever's with Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. That's it. What? Okay. Are you saying I'm wrong? Yeah. Lincoln Riley has put out three highs. No, not in the last Ryan Day. Really? QB recruits? Really? Yeah. You have one. Justin Fields was a top draft pick. Top. He was a top ten draft pick. Mm-hmm. And CJ Stroud's about to be a top five draft pick. Again, that's one. You're saying? How and, are you saying one for the future who hasn't played yet? Okay. And I'm and and we already put Dwayne Dwayne Haskins, the late Dwayne Haskins was also a first round pick, and, and that trash. is a that is a but that's that's a Ryan he wasn't trash. Okay, how about you? We not talk about the dead. Okay, but Ryan Day would help get him into the, to the league too. 
but there are two college coaches that are known as quarterback guys, and they're the ones getting quarterbacks. And then you have Brian Hartline, that is one that is the best wide receiver coach in all of college football. So that being the case, so money is not the only thing. And I think, yes, money is talking a lot louder, and there are going to be a lot of players that choose to pick money. But I think also Ohio State has the, hey, we have a track record of getting players into the league, not just quarterbacks, wide receivers, and all that, but there is a track record of getting players into the league. And when you're facing teams like Alabama and Georgia that can tout that same thing, they'll be able to say, hey, we do the same things Ohio State does, and we're giving out more money. So... If you're not willing to give out more money, if things don't change, then you're going to keep losing recruits to Ohio State and Georgia. I mean, to Bama and Georgia. That's just going to be the th- <clears throat> the that's just going to be the truth of it. So yes, you're right, Jace. Money is talking. Ohio State's not giving it out, and that is something that Ohio State fans are going to have to wrestle with. And if they're going to realize, hey, if you want to do everything at all costs, then you're going to have to give up some money yourself. But if you're willing to get players in that want to come to Ohio State and are willing to get a little bit less money, then you might have a little better culture overall. And I think just giving out the most money isn't necessarily doing the job either. Ask how Texas A&M is doing right now. I think they have like 20-something recruits that have, de- have are transferring out of there. Not recruits, but players that are transferring out of Texas A&M right now. And that includes a lot of their great players from last year that got recruited there. So, so money can't be the only thing that talks, but I think oh, money needs to be a more a bigger priority for Ohio state because it's a bigger priority to kids. And if they can get money now, you shouldn't, nobody should down them for wanting to get money for them and their families. Okay. I'm not, I don't disagree with you, but I also don't agree with you. So screw to disagree. (laughs) I think the only thing you disagree about is the fact that you think this, all of Ohio state fans, this has been coming for a long time and you're going to have to deal with it. You guys are, Spoiled, not all of us. Not all of us. Oh, if we're not in playoff contention, it's not worth it. Shut up. Yes, you are. All of you are the same. All of you are spoiled. All of you expect everything and more, and it's still not enough. It'll never be enough. And it, that's how that's your school. That's how it works. And there is just a smidge of you aren't ha- going to have the same caliber talent. Going into the next year as a different school, and your fans don't like that. That's true. They want to stay competitive. I get that. But you just don't want it to get to the point where it becomes a toxic thing, which it does for a lot of fans. I just don't want it to become an overarching thing that'll keep players from coming to Ohio State in general. And that's what I care about. And I think that proves that not every Ohio State fan is a crazy person. I hope you're not putting me in that total conversation. But I'm I can at least I believe I can see the forest through the trees and realize the bigger picture of the thing and not just, I'm not just an Ohio state fan. I can see all like, I would hope that you could say, I could see bigger picture of college football and know how things really go, which is why I'm willing to say that stuff about a vast majority of Ohio state fans. That is a troubling trend that I see all over Twitter and all over social media. Cause honestly, everybody's on it. So if you're saying it, it's because you want somebody to see. And that somebody is usually players and coaches, and that is something that you don't want long-term. Okay. Let's go on to the game, shall we? Um, we'll react to last week's games, get that stuff out the way. Um, let me get the scoreboard up, week 14. Um, there was a few stories I want to talk about kind of in, intertwined throughout some of those games, but uh, we'll just kind of get to them as we go. Um, do you want – 
my tablet so you can look at the games or you got it in no, your you phone? Could. Okay. Um, Steelers, Ravens. Ravens beat the Steelers with a third string quarterback. And this is especially after the Steelers lose Kenny Pickett five plays into the game. He ends up going out with a concussion. Um, he is limited throughout this week going into next week. So I'm not sure whether he, we're going to get him back this coming uh, this week for the week 15 game. But Steelers could not get the job done um, with some special teams failures and with um, kind of letting the Ravens just jump back into it. With their third-string quarterback, they they shouldn't have done anything. Oh, not to mention we put our second-string guy, a la Trubisky. He managed to throw three picks. It was three picks, right? He yeah. managed to throw three picks, especially in the red zone. That pretty much stopped all scoring from the Steelers altogether, um, along with a blocked uh, field goal attempt. Um, all that, sh- all that being the case, Steelers just a bad team, and I think it got worse once Trubisky got in there and started throwing a bunch of picks. And honestly, I'm not surprised. Trubisky's been bad. I've pretty much always said that he's pretty much going to be bad, and I think he's reared its ugly head, and people are not really liking what they're seeing. Honestly, I don't even think he's worth the seven million that we gave him guaranteed for this year. Like it's been an absolute travesty. And to any Steelers fan that once thought that. Um, putting in Pickett wasn't the right decision. They can look at that game and realize how how worse, how much worse it possibly could be. And depending on how this week goes, we might get another week of terrible quarterback play. And Jace, guess what? There's a chance they might turn it to Mason Rudolph. Why was I just thinking that? At this point, you probably should. There's no way he can get worse. I don't know. Three picks? Trubisky played terrible. But I've seen bad from Mason Rudolph, too. So I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm like, I'm like... May the best man play this week, I guess, but They're both it doesn't matter. It's Our offense is going to stall because Kenny Pickett, for as much flack as I've given him this year, the, off, the offense has looked the best when he is playing, whether Real I like quick, it or not. I was talking uh, with this about to um, – actually, we'll get to the Browns later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins was back last week, which is also good. I'm – he was a Buckeye first, even though I he has a Raven now, so technically I have to not like when he does well. But he came back from a big injury, um, 15 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Very good for him. I like seeing him being able to succeed, um, especially with their quarterback, with them on to their third-string quarterback now. So I had to make sure I put J.K. Dobbins in there because I really liked him at Ohio State. Jets-Bills. Honestly, the Jets had a chance to win this game. It looked like the Bills kind of got off to a like a pretty decent lead. I think it was 17 to nothing. Yeah. Going I think into third the Jets quarter. They played a fine game and they played a, fu- it was fine. It wasn't amazing. It was fine. This is a game the Jets shouldn't have won, but they had a chance to win it. Of course. Yeah. I think just, all right, real quick. I think at this point, you can't tell me, you can't tell me that Zach Wilson's the better option. Um, It is not possible. And then in the eyes of a fan, you're looking at this dude who's just, he's out there slinging the ball, and because I'm when Zach Wilson was heading the offense, it almost looked like he slowed it down, like he made it clunky. Yeah. And but with Mike White, it's almost like he's I know honestly uh, he has a Taylor Heineke effect, or I was like more of a Jimmy Garoppolo effect. He's just fine. He's not gonna do nothing bad. Yeah. He's not gonna do nothing good. I would put Taylor Heineke in there too. Just, but I know, but Heineke almost made the ship run better. Well, yeah, but it's because the team believes in him. I think that's what Mike White has is that the team believes in him more. Oh yeah, which what? makes this whole it whole team during play a practice better. Practice where they were, Jets players were wearing. 
oh yeah, they they were wearing Mike White shirts. This yeah. is literally a week after Zach Wilson got benched. Like I think instantly Mike White don't has like the team more. They don't like him, even though I think Zach. Let, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I, no, Zach Wilson is a more talented, talented guy. Of course, he of course he is. It's just he looks like he he plays like he's he still does in it. He does it. He plays like no, he's still in college. He has not the ball downfield. No, he has not adapted at all. And he's like making bad decisions. Yep. And when he does try to like make good decisions, it's all clunky. And it's just like if the team doesn't believe in you and you're playing bad, no matter how talented There's you are, no it's, way you're you not going to look good on the field. No, you can't. If you because then you you have the thing of if you give him the job back and you continue to do worse, then you have you have a dude who's just going to get worse, just going to get worse over time. Let's because the team doesn't support him. Nope. And Mike White's been better the past two games, and the fans are. Ha- I've I have a friend who's just fan. He's happier. He's more happy about these games. He yep. lost. He lost last last week, but he was happy. Yep. You're gonna upset fans, the team. And the dude who's actually better, playing better as of right now. I wouldn't say better, but playing better. Yeah, but it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like right, like of course he's probably not the fix. No, he's not. But that's that's what makes it worse. Is that? But let's be real. I don't think the Jets are ever gonna have a good quarterback. They can't draft quarterbacks. It is they are allergic to it. Yeah, that's that's a tough part because that's that's where it goes bad. Is because let's just Jets are seven and six right now. They're still in the playoff race. If they manage Let, to make the playoffs with Mike can't, White, you can't. You can't. You can't put Zach Wilson in by any means this season. So what's going to happen? You're going to go into year three of Zach Wilson and him potentially not even be the starter after you spent a high draft pick on him. I think number two overall. It was two, yeah. But we all know Mike White's not the long term answer either. So then they're going to have to waste another top draft pick, lose a bunch of games because the team's too good to lose. Like, they have a great defense. They have a lot of great offensive skill pl- position players. Like, they're too good to be sitting there and be like, hey, we are we can guarantee ourselves a top five pick. That's not going to happen. So, with all that being the case, they're going to be stuck, just like the Giants are, is that they're good enough to not have the top, pl- top flight pick, but they're not good enough to then get into the playoffs and be a dangerous team. So, it is just like they're going to be sitting in the middle for a while with a quarterback that they know is not necessarily their future. So it's like a very, very, very like weird scenario here that if the Jets make the wrong decision, they could really lose their whole team. But I think as of right now, they, they're sticking to Mike White, which is keeping their team together for now. But let's be honest, Zach Wilson will be there for at least two more seasons. I know, but let's say like <coughs> Zach Wilson's almost sinking the ship in a yep. way that Mike White's just a patch. Like he's I, I really think he's has the same effect as Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, whether he's just good enough, he just makes the machine run in an offense that's already good. He's just making it run. He's just making it continue. And I For think sure. that's all you need him to do. Is you, it? You yes. Let's be real. Let's be one hundred percent honest. I would prefer an amazing offense overall. No, I wouldn't. Never mind. This is a bad statement. But this because I agree with you no, to no, a certain right, extent. Wait. And uh, no, I'm about to rephrase if, my if this whole, is whole in, thing. Okay, if it's if they're in the NFC, you could have that mentality. But you can't in the AFC. Not in the AFC. And here, real quick, I was I was about to revamp this entire thing. That only works so long because then the same problem with Jimmy Garoppolo, he falls short in the biggest moments. AFC Championship, and he falls short. NFC. NFC Championship, and he falls short. He's fallen short twice. 
especially in the AFC, where you have to worry about Patrick Mahomes. No, I. You have to worry about Josh Allen. You have to worry about Joe Burrow. No, you have yes, to worry yes, about yes. Justin Herbert. Yes, you so have to worry about all these great quarterbacks in the work. AFC. You're going to have to face them. And guess what? The teams are most likely going to be similar, and it's going to come down come down to a quarterback duel. Okay. And Mike White's no, never going to win that that's duel. Why, that's why I'm. Re- I'm pulling this statement if back. If you're in the NFC, you can have Jimmy G. You can have um why am I forgetting his name now for the Seahawks? Geno Smith. Geno Smith. You can have like mediocre quarterbacks that are on better teams and still do well, but you can't have that in the AFC because teams are great in the AFC other than the Eagles. Let's be honest. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are on absolute fire. I'm real. I think the Seahawks are winning because of Geno Smith playing. Not in spite of Geno Smith. Because uh, yeah, after the last few weeks, it's starting to turn in spite. That's a few weeks. Because let's be real, the Niners were kind of winning in spite of Jimmy G not doing amazing. This year, he's played great. Like, I'm saying no, this no, year, no, no, he's, no, played, no, no, no. he's played well. He's played okay, and then Chris McCaffrey has played well. The playmakers have been playing well. He's just okay. That's what I'm saying. You can, In the NFC, you can have... Not necessarily a plus quarterback play and still do well with a good team around them in the NFC because you're not worried about playing against a bomb quarterback on the other side that has just as good a team as you, other than the Eagles. Um, other than that, like you don't have that. But in the AFC, there's so many good teams with great quarterbacks that are able to win these duels, with especially with an offensive league the way it is right now. All that being the case, I think you have to. I, like, you can do this for now. I don't think the Jets are sitting there saying they won the Super Bowl this year. But I think long term, they're going to have to make a decision on Zach Wilson. And I think the only way they're going to really figure that out is to play him again. And I think if he doesn't earn the respect of his teammates, then you're going to be back in the situation that you're in this year before Mike White got the job this year. So all that being the case, it's just you're going to be stuck if the Jets are, if they manage to make the playoffs and that team keeps believing in him. And he starts having a... Taylor Heineke, Geno Smith type effect where he's good enough to where he's going to earn himself to be the starter. But can you trust him to make to be that guy at the end when you're facing a quarterback that's going to be much better than your guy? And that's where the problem is going to lie. Which is good. It's cool for right now. But I think the problem is going to be coming at some point. I think the Jets are going to like be kicking themselves when they get to that point and they're like, oh, if only we had a quarterback. Oh, if only we didn't spend a second round, a second pick overall on a guy we thought was going to be the guy when Justin Fields went eight, nine picks later and he's looking great for the Bears. I'm saying that's what they're going to have to come. They're going to have to wrestle with that. that. I've been wrestling with that for every quarterback they've ever picked since freaking who, Joe Namath. Is what's that there, guy? Well, that, yeah. But I'm saying that that GM group is better. Name, like, a, name a good Jets quarterback. I can't even tell you. Yeah. Joe Namath, the only one you could think of? Who I'm like 50-50 on if that's a Jets quarterback or not? It's Joe Namath. Yeah. You're right. Name one. No, you're right. No, exactly. It's, it's been a while. It's It's been forever. <laughs> Jets, the Jets don't draft good quarterbacks. They draft fine everywhere else. It's not quarterback. Mark Sanchez was okay for them. Who is Mark Sanchez? But fumble guy. Nope. If that's how you remember him, he wasn't that good. <coughs> well, he wasn't that good, but he also wasn't terrible. Yeah, like, but if but fumble is how you remember him, he's not. No. He nope. That's why I thought how you would remember him. 
that's like his most famous play in in, in info. If that's his most famous, he's not good. <laughs> but he made Bad. the NFC Championship game twice. Great. So did Jimmy G. But Jimmy G made a Super Bowl at least. Oh yeah, Joe Flacco's won one of those. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he was on a massively he good won team. One though doesn't yeah. matter. No, true. No, give him that much credit. Joe Fluco himself. All right. You want you had this is the game you really want to talk about. This is your Bengals and Bengals v Browns. Okay. So I was talking to somebody who was a Browns fan today. Tw- Bengals won 23 oh, yeah. 10. No, we we stomped. Stomped. Uh Joe Burrow finally got over the, this that was his first time ever beating the Browns. Let's get that <laughs> out there. He's never beat the Browns till uh last Sunday. That was an annoying stat. Very annoying stat. Because we've been the better team for three years. Pretty much, yeah. We've been the better team. Meaning we've lost to them. Uh, how many times have we played you guys? Three? Twice or, a year. Twice. We've lost them six, five times now. Five. Since Joe Burr has been the guy? Mm-hmm. Five five since he got drafted there, it's been five times. Uh, but we finally beat them. I was talking to somebody today who's a Browns fan. You probably know who I was talking to. Um, He was like, what do you think about the Bengals-Browns game? I was like, it was a easy game for us. I was like, the Watson looks like garbage. He was like, yeah. He was like, he was like, we're we're screwed. He's like, I th- I, he's like, I don't think Watson still has what he used to have. And yeah. they can't bench him for Brissett. They cannot. Proposition. Oh, they paid him so much money. They can't. They can. They cannot. You did not pay him almost a quarter of a billion dollars just for him to suck. Fully guaranteed. Every dime he's getting. When Let's be real. I don't think there was one moment during these games where I could say Brissett was bad. No, he was never bad. It was the defense that was bad. It, it was in even the Browns fan, uh, Jake admitted that he said the defense was the reason they were losing games. Yeah, not Brissett. He was playing perfectly well. Yeah, for sure. And even if Brissett's the better overall right now, of course, what Watson could be is a top five quarterback. For sure, he's not. He's not going to be. Of course, everybody was rusty. Joe Burrow was rusty back in the season. But that didn't look like rust. That looked like he was lost. He hasn't played in over two years. Um, Heck, and now when he comes in week 12, he's now rusty. So when everybody else is rusty week one, week two, week three, now he's rusty week 11, 12, 13, 14. So it makes it look a lot worse while everybody else is playing great. Is he really rusty or is he just not there anymore? That's the big question because let's let's be real. Even week one when Joe Burrow was actually rusty, he played no preseason. He still looked like Joe Burrow. And had an appendectomy. Mm -hmm. And then week two, he looked better. Yep. And then week three, he was Joe Burrow because he was dicing up a defense. That's true. We don't even know how Watson plays. We don't know how he's supposed to fit into the offense. So I'm gonna be real. The Browns are almost halting any forward progress by switching him in. You're stopping all forward progress. Not forward progress, because I believe if if in their heart of hearts, if we're if we're if I'm in the in the mindset of a Browns owner slash GM, right? They're gonna let him play the rest of the year. I think they've given up on any idea of making the playoffs, right? He hasn't seen live bullets, live guys trying to tackle him and hurt him. He hasn't seen that in over two years. So now you're going to take the rest of your games you have left. At that point, it would have been like five games left. And they're going to say, hey, you're going to go out there, see some live bullets, try to get us some wins. If not, cool, we have a better draft pick. But honestly, this is about getting you more reps. So going into next season, you can get closer to 100% if that 100% is even possible, at least from what they paid 
230 million fully guaranteed dollars for. So I think their main goal is next year. I think this year is a wash. So with that being the case, I I think he still has time to get better and better, and he'll have a full he'll have a full off season where he'll be able to do all the all the training camp stuff, everything possible. So I think. Yes, I do also question whether he's ever going to be what he truly was. I hope at he's one not. Point. I truly oh, me do. either. He's a terrible person. I truly person. do. By the end of this contract, he's out the league. I, I really do hope me so. Me too. I think he's a terrible person. He doesn't deserve to be the face of the NFL because, honestly, he if he gets back to playing how he once played, he'll end up being the face of the NFL because people like to have short memories when it comes to th- anything serious. So if he ends up sh- playing anything close Except like what Michael he did Vick. before— <laughs> No, I think no. He had a he had a resurgence in Philadelphia when he came back. He had yeah, a resurgence after like a, it was a minute. They still held that over him for a minute. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'm saying it wasn't as close to yeah, like no, what it once but was. Like Watson's, they just accepted. Philadelphia was not happy. They signed Vic. They yeah, but they were the also Browns... cheering for him when he was having close to a, a MVP season. So of course that's a little bit wishy washy. Uh, he wasn't touching women. I'm just saying. No, nope. I'm just you. Know what? If you're gonna pee on the hierarchy here, then you can probably say people will care about dogs less than other women, human beings. So that's what I was kidding. So I'll give you. I'll that's give you that. I, I will give you. That. NFL picks and chooses. They do pick. NFL fans pick and choose. I mm-hmm. think we NFL fans are really good at compartmentalizing different things. Hey, we can put the way the idea, the fact that you are potentially a predator if you're playing great right on my football team. So that happens all the time, and I think I'm not. I'm no. I was a young kid when I was doing it, so I didn't really get the whole scope. But Big Ben, he had his issues. I was more than willing to forget that because hey, it wasn't proven in court. And then I, no, I would denounce if if that happened right. If that happened right now, I oh, would. I'd be doing the exact same thing. I'd have a higher expectation for myself and for my team. But me as a kid, I was willing more than willing to do it when it happened. But I think a lot of Browns fans right now are more than willing to put that in the away as long as there's a chance that he can play great for their team. And as of right now, haven't has not seen it whatsoever. Nope. And they're not even really able to run the football right now. It's kind of weird because that's how the Browns were beating you. It wasn't like they were just they were just out physicaling you and they just weren't able to do that against you guys at all. And Joe Burrow is on a tear again. Jamar Chase looking great. But the only thing that's weird, no T. Higgins. Well, I'm not sure if he'll be back next oh, he'll be week. Back. It was just a, it was just a strain. And then, um, why am I feeding other wide receiver? Who cares? He's been garbage. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll leave it he on. He dropped. That. He got her. I think he's concussed. <laughs> but I really don't care. He's dropped. <laughs> what? He's dropped six touchdowns. Oh boy, that is not. I mean, he no never c- really dropped the football before that. It's kind of weird. He had one drop, and it was in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Where'd since, we go? Ever since then. And then Hurst is, Her, I think Hurst is back this week. Okay. All right. On to the next one then. Cowboys, Texans. 27-23. Cowboys got the win, but this game was very, very close. Oh, my God. This game was almost like. <laughs> Texans were, Texans had a chance to win the game. Like, they had it. I think they had the last drive. And they managed to, they managed to get the win here. I think Dallas did have to go on like a 98-yard touchdown drive to even gain um, the lead in this game. All that being the case, it was just like like everything told you the Cowboys should have lost this game. And I mean, sorry, the Texans should have lost. But when it comes to stat line, but Houston just kind of stayed in it and the Cowboys kind of let them. It wasn't like Houston just wasn't really doing anything that special. They were just getting down the field and they were managed to score points. And I think Dallas was just 
having to fight back, especially in that fourth quarter, they had to score 10 straight points in order to get the win. It is one of those, like, when you're glad you're in the NFL and you don't have to worry about style points like like you do in college football because just getting a W is all that you need. And I think if you were talking, like, college football-wise, when you need to have style points, you need to look good against your opponent, the Cowboys did not look good against their opponent. And their defense didn't look all that great. They weren't really stopping the Texans at all. Texans scored 23 points. And let's be honest, the Texans are a 1-11-1 team. So... Nobody can tell me that they're a good team in waiting and that they're just having bad no. on their luck. Texans are they're bad. terrible. Yeah, Texans are bad. They, they cycled in three different quarterbacks in this game. So nobody could tell me that the Houston Texans are an offensive juggernaut waiting to happen or anything like that. They are not the Lions. There is a there is a huge chasm between what the Texans are and what the Lions are. Oh, right yeah, now. absolutely. So Cowboys have some issues to fix, and I think the Cowboys have turned into a a very popular – dark horse to get into the playoffs and win because they can run the football, but they're not, everybody they're has not to remember. a dark horse with how good that defense is. It's not a that, dark horse. The defense is good, but it's can you good. trust Dak? Can you trust their wide receiver core? Like, Real quick. CeeDee Lamb is good, but he's not a world beater. He Sometimes he goes absolutely Lamb blank. CeeDee <laughs> Like, CeeDee Lamb, he good a lot of stats, but when it comes to I need to play right now. CeeDee Lamb's not that type of wide receiver. Let me be real. CeeDee Lamb and Brent Ayuk are not far apart. Huh? CeeDee Lamb and Brent Ayuk are not far apart. No, I'd actually put Brent, at least Brent Ayuk has a consistency, a downfield presence to come to big play balls because oh, yeah. he, he's going to make some crazy plays. CeeDee Lamb's not that type of wide receiver. I think CeeDee Lamb's closer to what a, um, I hate to say, say it. Uh, um, why am I forgetting his name now? Johnson for Steelers, same kind of he's wide receiver. Than Johnson. No, I'm saying he's better, but he's a just a, he's the same archetype. Like he is a possession receiver that is going to he is a route running machine. But when it comes to he is not going to be like hey me one on one with this guy, I'm going to throw the ball up to you and you're going to make a crazy play. That is not in C D Lamb's bag, and I don't think they have a wide receiver like that on that team. So when you're facing a team that has a good deep good back end, that's not going to let you just run the football all over them and you need to pass the ball like like a lot. I just don't think they have the that wide receiver core to do it. I don't think Dak is necessarily the quarterback that can throw for 40 times and really win you the game at all. I just think uh, when it comes down to that is where the Cowboys will fall short. The only reason they won this game is they were playing the Texans. They're terrible. <laughs> yeah. Any other team, the Cowboys would have lost this game. I'm be real that. That Dallas defense just looked like they were tired. They almost looked beat down how yours did that a couple years we ago. We have to play so good in like like it's the I'm, front seven. The back seven is kind of garbage. No. The front seven is an absolute monster. Like they are destroying people. I'm the rest, not even the front. It's, it, it's Michael Parsons. It's Michael Parsons. It's not the front seven. It's like the front maybe two. It is Michael Parsons. It's Michael Parsons. Let's, let's be real. He's a monster. He's uh, a monster. There is not a single play where he's not in the pocket. No, true. And I. I Again, you kind of made the pair. You kind of made like the the comparison, a lot like my Steelers defense. Great front seven. My, I think my front seven is a lot better. Oh overall. no, you have one of the better front sevens. But it's but, the idea of if I take out TJ, you still have a pretty good. You still have a top ten defense. I take out Parsons. That defense is nothing. That I, team is. I still. I still have a great and, DB. I still have Mika Fitzpatrick in the back. While I don't think 
the Cowboys you have still have Cam Hayward and you still have alternate guys. You but even still they, have linebackers. Even you they get tired. A, even they're course. like, hey, we're running working so hard to try to stop another team from scoring. But I've they seen they then Parsons, break down at the end of the game. I've seen I've seen I don't think I've I see Parsons out of any play. I think he's in every play. Oh yeah, Parsons plays the whole game. He rarely he rarely comes out. Rarely. Yeah, he ha- he has no alternate. Even TJ comes out. And, oh yeah. And y'all just rest three instead mm-hmm. of four. Mm-hmm. It, they don't have that. They don't have the backups. And I think of because if they take him off that team, I think that team, that defense more than yours, you take Parsons oh, off that take defense, him off it, that ends, de- it, it ends, it crumbles. Dallas is no longer special. Nope. That defense is not special, and I fully believe this. I don't believe it as much with your defense. I think your defense struggles. Yeah, we'll he, struggle. Because he's a presence. Same same way with San Fran's. Nick Bosa is a presence. Oh, yeah. And you take him out. They bo- you're both, you're There's going to be a difference. There's going to be a difference for you sure. You take out Michael Parsons, there is no defense there. Yeah, Muck, that is so true. Because I don't ever so see true. a quarterback running from somebody else on the Dallas defense. I see a quarterback running from Michael Parsons on the Dallas defense. He's always in making a lot of plays. Oh man. yeah, he's he, always he's around. Somebody, the play. He's in somebody's face. Yeah, I've watched him blow up running backs. Believe me, he was around my defense and he was in Mixon's face. Yeah, yeah, he's he is an absolute monster for sure. Yeah. All right, next game. Vikings Lions. Lions got the win. Lions, man, offensive explosion. Why don't you? Um. We were we were talking. Finally, we got to see, we got to see Jameson Williams play in this game. He had one catch, forty-one yards, but it was four touchdown. It was a very explosive play, and something like that is That's just what they want. That's they what just they need. need that little thing to unlock their offense. A spark plug. They need a spark plug. Do you know who else caught a pass in this game? I'm gonna, before we say anything else. No, Panay Sewell. Oh yeah, I saw that. Caught a pass in this game. Uh, I their their head coach was in an interview. Yeah, and he was like, I oh, with Pat McAfee. Yeah, he was like, I couldn't hear what he was saying, so I just agreed to it. He was like, next thing I look, and Sewell's out there for a pass, and I'm looking around like, what happened? And I'm I was dying. You're like, what are we doing? Yes, yes. And he still got a pass, and it was so great. It was great. It was amazing to see. Like one thing he can do, like so he can pass, and he can pass for. But he's not on the Bengals, so it's useless. I don't care. But Vikings, their defense got absolutely torched. And I can't even necessarily put this on Kirk Cousins. He had a 425-yard day at passing yards and two touchdowns. So it, it wasn't like Kirk Cousins threw for a bunch of picks and didn't really make any. He was 31-41. It was a very efficient day. Um, Dalvin Cook, they, they didn't really run the football that well against they, Detroit they Lions. They haven't run the football very much. Justin Jefferson did Justin Jefferson things. Two, 11 receptions, 223 yards. Like, nobody can stop. Jefferson, like he hey. number one wide receiver, hey. like, one, one number one. You said Numero nobody. Uno. Darius Slayton stopped him, so let's get that straight. No, no, no. Yes. There's somebody in the no. NFL who can stop. No, him. you're right. There's been one guy that has stopped him all season. It's Darius Slayton. I, like I said, I've been having him as the top cornerback in the league. But yeah, there's been one guy. But everybody else, Justin Jefferson's getting his, no questions asked. And Detroit, but Detroit Lions, they just did everything possible. There was, let's see, there was. Seven players that received uh, a pass in this game. The Detroit Lions are really good offensively. Their defense is still not that good, but in a game where they score thirty-four points, it don't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I ain't gotta play defense if I'm if I'm up if I'm never down. And Jared Goff had a Jared Goff type of day: three hundred thirty yards, three touchdowns. He's a stat stuffer. He is, but here's the thing: I just think he kind of a lot like a lot like Jimmy G. I'm he real. just fits that situation because he just has to put the ball where it needs to be. I'm going to be so honest. He is on the better quality of the stat stuffers in the NFL. Oh, yeah, for sure. At his best. <laughs> At his best. At his best, He's. I think he's a Super Bowl quarterback. We've seen it. He led – He led, real quick, he did lead that Rams team to a Super Bowl. 
Sean McVay led that team to Super, Super Bowl. And he proceeded to throw for 403 different games. Let's be real. No, for sure. When his best weapon on that team was Todd Gurley. They had wide receivers on that team. They had good wide receivers on that team. I think they had okay wide receivers in Todd Gurley. They had peak Todd Gurley at the time. So no, he he that was best of Todd Gurley that year. He was yeah he was one of the, he was the best running back. That was his best year, and then pretty much ever since he's never been the same. No, <laughs> but well, I think pretty much ever since he got injured seventy times. Yeah, but they knew what they were getting themselves into when they drafted him because he, he was, was injured prone. He was injury prone at Georgia. Like yeah, but at his best, he was he was great. He was amazing. So all that being the case, Detroit Lions can score the football, and when they play like this, they can get their defense together and. Once Jamison Williams really gets ro- gets rolling, they will have a deep threat on that team, and it'll be glorious because they have a lot of good good players on offensively, and it's just defensively is just where they need to. They're gonna probably put a lot of their draft into drafting defensive players. They have a good offensive line, like they're set offensively. They just need defensive pieces. Mm-hmm. Next game, sir. Um, Eagles Giants. Um, Eagles won. Wasn't close. Nope. Um, Jalen Hurts <laughs> just went crazy on them, passing, rushing, everything we needed. AJ Brown let's had hope, a great day. Let's hope that the Giants this past three weeks realize Daniel Jones isn't the guy and don't <laughs> resign him. I hope this is a waking up moment. Wait, here's the thing: they're seven and five. <laughs> I know, but I hope this has been a waking up moment that you've lost three games straight. I think. I think as of before the game started last week, if the playoffs started before all the games started, it all four teams from the NFC East would make the playoffs. It, yeah. Like that's kind of insane. NFC East has probably been one of the most competitive league in uh, divisions in all of NFL, and yet also has been blown out the most. <laughs> that's so weird. It's like the Giants are starting to burst the steams. Um, Washington kind of is too, um, with some of the. Actually, they're not really. They're not really not doing that bad. They're just playing better teams than them, and they're just yes. losing. Um, but the Eagles and the Cowboys are just. I've always, I'm always suspecting the Cowboys because they always they always falter in the end. Oh yeah, if Michael Parsons always be, like. Let's be real. Parsons gets like a hamstring tear. Your season's over. Yeah. It's over. And he's just waiting for the bad thing to happen let's to the real, Cowboys. Dak's not the guy. <laughs> he's not. And you paid him too much money. Too much money. And so they, paid Zeke, keep... they paid Zeke a lot of money that they're never going to see. Nope. They're never gonna so see now you're going to have to keep it. telling your fans that Dak's the guy and he's going to be good. And that Tony Pollard isn't as good as Zeke. Oh, Tony Pollard is a... And he keep, is so good. And keep lying to your fans because Tony Pollard is way too good to keep him back like that. He's yeah. getting half the carries of Zeke and double the yards. If you gave Tony Pollard 75% of the carries, they keep having it 50-50. But if they gave Tony Pollard 70% of the carries, he has a extra burst to him that you haven't seen Zeke have since his second or third year in the yeah. league. Like, he hasn't had that burst since, like, no, the second or third where he, year. where Tony Pollard is moving, and he's running, he's running, and then it's just this. He goes... because when is another you, gear. Yes, another when gear you start there. running, you start running head down. As soon as he lifts up, he's gone. Yeah, no question. You cannot, cannot catch him. Like a, like a track runner. Yeah. One for Friday, one. he's a track star. <laughs> Sorry, it was way too easy. All right, next game, Chiefs-Broncos. Chiefs won this game. Broncos still managed to score 28 points. The Broncos are now eliminated from the playoffs. Well, they're 3-10, and 10, so I sure hope so. Yeah. But you know what's funny? I think um, our, our best guy in Russell Wilson actually left this game. I'm not sure when he left a... the game of football. Like forever. no, not forever. He got a concussion in this game. Oh, good for the Broncos. <laughs> and they still managed to make the game pretty close. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, Broncos defense is still decently good, even though. Kansas oh, who's City's... the backup? 
I will get that answer. I will. I don't care. It here. has to be better. <laughs> it has to be. Uh, Brett Wright Ripian. Brett Ripian. White dude. R- I sure hope so with the name Brett. Does he look like a generic my character? Oh yeah. Generic oh, my yeah. character. Yeah, he went to Boise State. Oh, he's about to be amazing. No, not really. He didn't really. He didn't really play a lot in this game. He I'm only had saying, eight pass attempts. Hey, look. If it's anything like Mike White, he's gonna be amazing. Russell Wilson did have a actual Russell Wilson type day, two hundred forty-seven yards, three touchdowns, and interception. So he actually had a decent day up until the point he got the concussion and had to leave First this game. Ever. Um, his wide receivers actually played well. Jerry Judy, probably his best game as a pro, eight receptions, seventy-three yards, three touchdowns. Not an amazing stat day, but with three touchdowns, it makes it look a lot better. Um, Marlon Mack. I'm not honestly don't know any else, any of their other wide receivers. Marlon Mack, have you ever heard of him? I sure haven't. Greg Dolchich, pretty sure that's a tight end, but I've never really heard of him. Kendall Hilton, Mike Boone, Eric Tomlinson. Like, this is insane. They really had nobody when it comes to other pass catchers other than Jerry Judy. But Kansas City Chiefs are not known to have a great defense. Obviously, it's why can't uh Cincinnati was able to carve them up like they did. And but Kansas City was able to score enough points to fend off the Denver Broncos to win this game. Next game, next game, next game. Well, I'm finished trying to pull up the next game here. Buccaneers Niners. <laughs> what can I say? Tom Brady now looks like for sure like an old man. Like he is he looks like a guy that's 45. <laughs> There is some pass he's throwing straight into the ground. He doesn't have the arm anymore. He looks like he has noodle arm right now. Like, there's, like, it's so bad. It is not a normal, like, in years past, there were times where Tom Brady would go through hard spots where it looked like he didn't really have as much zip on the ball and anything like that. This just seems so much different. He looks like he's running at a, he is running at one pace and the rest of the game is running faster. And he's just trying to catch up. And I feel like there's times where you can turn it on and get kind of get right back into it. And it looks great. But, like, over the last three or four weeks now, it has pretty much been his noodle arm kind of ruining the day for him, and they really can't win games. So, in the Niners, Brock Purdy, the guy out of Iowa State for the Niners. This They're down to their third-string quarterback now with Jimmy G going out and Trey Real Lance quick, going out early so in the season. I'm so surprised Brock Purdy was good. Brock Purdy <clears throat> was good in college. He was good in college, but he made bad decisions in college. So... I think everybody was more surprised that he was able to make good decisions. I think he only had really one bad decision in this whole game. Yeah, that so turned it's... into a pick, but it got it got turned, um, it got canceled out due to a penalty. So, like, other than that one big mistake that he could have made, otherwise it. he had an amazing game. Um, I think his stat line Real quick, was. I feel like San Francisco just has three dudes that all do the same thing, and now well, two dudes. But I I feel like, hold on, I feel like Brock Purdy. Is more of a is exactly Jimmy G. I'm talking one for one. I actually think he's Wait, a better arm than Jimmy G. But more athletic. Yeah. Overall, physically, he's better. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That is the only thing. Yeah. So I'm be real. Lance and Lance ain't it. Lance is not it. I why well, didn't we? I didn't see enough of Lance. I'm, I'm, I don't need to see any more of Lance. I'm games. cool. Because obviously, when it comes to physical traits, Trey Lance has a is a very special guy. Whether we can see him play enough in order to make that decision, I'm not sure. But there are people after this game talking about whether Brock Purdy should be the maybe have they braided their way into having their next franchise quarterback? We'll never know. They're gonna give Trey Lance another shot. 
I'm not sure how this whole Jimmy D, Jimmy G thing's gonna go. I think they're gonna let him go probably after this season, especially if Brock Purdy plays well the rest of the season. Even if they bring in Trey Lance to pretty much be their starter again, Brock Purdy will be the backup. He's waiting in the wings. So all that being the case, Brock Purdy played very well. 185 yards passing, two touchdowns. He did everything he needed to do. Christian McCaffrey, 119 yards and a touchdown. I think he also had a receiving touchdown as well. Yep, two for 34 when it comes to receptions with a receiving touchdown. Chris McCaffrey is a dog. And like you said, they have three dogs on that team that do everything. But now it's it's now it's two. Debo Samuel tore his ACL hurt, in that yeah. game. So, it, But here's the thing. Even after he's gone, Brandon Ayuk steps up and gets a touchdown reception. Real quick, there's three on that team, and not all three are going to be able to eat. I For keep, sure. I keep telling you this, and it's going to be Debo. It's going to be like, I want the ball. And he's going to leave. Well, I, I think Debo can't make that argument right now since he has the ACL tear. But other than that, like as long as they have at least two of those three main guys, I think I heard somebody say this. They they have come to a point where they can they can have two Wait, of the top three guys. Four. Offensive. I'm talking about offensively. Four. McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Debo. Mm-hmm. Um, Kittle. I thought you were counting Ayuk and not Kittle, and I was confused. Never mind. And I guess you could add Ayuk too. I, I see. I was thinking the other way. I thought you had Ayuk in there, not Kittle. I think Ayuk still has a way to go if he's going to be a part of that. He's one of the best tight ends. Oh yeah, for sure. No, it's no. just he's always blocking. No, no, no. I told no. I totally agree. If with there that. was points for blocking, I'd get fifty a game. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just think Brandon Ayuk is not necessarily consistent enough yet to be a part of those top guys, like top tippity top guys. I think I know, he will at I, some point. Yeah. Mm. But with, De- with Debo Samuel out, mm. they still have two of those guys, and they can still have Brandon Ayuk a very good long. Uh, when it comes to big pass play threat, um, Raven McLeod is not a bad receiver. Uh, obviously, like you said, George Kittle, once they don't, if they let him actually go catch a pass, he is a top two tight end in this whole league. So, all that being the case, San Fran. He's top three. He's three. Okay. Yeah. I can get, I can get behind that. <laughs> so, San Fran took care of business. They're now nine and four. Um, Brock Purdy's still playing very good. Who knows if that changes? Because obviously nobody had tape on him playing before this season, before he started playing midway through. So all that being the case, good win for San Fran. Next game, next game, next game. All right, a few more left. We got three total more games. So Panthers Seahawks. Panthers got this win, 30 to 24. Geno Smith, even though he had a decent day, 264 and three touchdowns, um, wasn't enough. Chubba Herbert had a good uh, game running the football for the Carolina Panthers, 74 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Foreman. Chuba. Is it Chuba? Chuba. Chuba. I keep saying Chuba. It's Chuba Hubbard. Sorry. I apologize. Um, Deontay Foreman, um, 21 carries, 74 yards, no touchdown. They had Raheem Blackshear, um, had 32 yards and a touchdown on four carries. Like, Carolina had 223 yards total rushing and two touchdowns all that being the case they had an absolutely monster day honestly they really had nothing when it came to receiving i think they had 120 total passing yards in this game so all that being the case carolina decided hey we're gonna come in here we're gonna run the football down your throat and the seahawks couldn't handle it and the seahawks could not have could not uh return the favor and it was funny because the seahawks were passing more than the Panthers were, and it was a weird thing because Geno Smith, they never let really let him out of his bag to go ahead and start passing the ball over the field. They're always trying to keep the rushing 
going as like the main focal point. But in this game, just really didn't work out that way. I, like they had 46 yards rushing for the Seahawks, passing that 264 yards. There, so there's a definite discrepancy there. But Carolina, we've been saying all year that even though they're losing a lot of games, but they're a tough out, and they're going to make it tough on whoever they play, whether they whether they like them or not. Okay. Um, Dolphins, Chargers. Chargers won 23-17. Um, Herbert. Absolutely amazing game. Like he, it's so weird because he'll have a great game, play terrible. Everybody's on, like everybody's singing his praises in the great game. Next game he'll play terribly, and everybody's like, "What's wrong with Herbert?" And the people that didn't believe him in the first place are like, "He's really bad. They're gonna, they need to get rid of him." And the next thing you know, he'll play, he plays great again. Goes out against the Dolphins, gets the dub. Austin Eckler had a great day, fifteen carries, forty-five yards, and a touchdown. Um, Mike Williams, six receptions, one hundred sixteen yards, and a touchdown. So the Chargers really did have a very good day. Tua has been in a blender over the last three weeks or so. Tua had 145. He was 10 of 28, 145 yards and one touchdown. Um, He's in a blender, man. I feel like he was playing so well at the beginning of the season, getting a lot of MVP praise, and I think he has kind of dropped the ball, and I think things have not have pretty much not really gone his way as of late. So it has kind of made everything look a lot worse, and when that something like that happens – um, MVP voters start to get a little antsy, especially if other players playing so well. And then your team starts to not believe in you because it's like, hey, you were playing so great before. What happened now? And now Tua seems like he's really struggling. Um, all that being the case. Tyreek Hill still had a great game. He had four receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown. One touchdown, four. He also has another touchdown that probably won't be listed is because it was like a scoop and score because it was a fumble by his own teammate. So he picked it up and scored so for the touchdown. Recovery. Yeah, it comes up for the defense as a touch as a defensive touchdown or special teams touchdown. Yeah, because no. it doesn't count it doesn't count towards any offensive stat. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So all that being the case, it is a very, very weird thing for Miami to look so bad with Tua after they looked so good at the beginning of the season. Herbert still uh pulled it off. His team was Really good behind him. Austin Eckler is still a dog. Keenan Allen is still great. Mike Williams is now doing better now that he's healthy. So it didn't really matter about the defense for the Chargers not really being able to stop the Dolphins. They were just able to kind of stick, uh, get ahead and stay ahead for a long while. And then you got one last game, Patriots-Cardinals. Patriots won this game. Kyler Murray hurt his ankle very early in this game. Not ankle. He tore his ACL. So he tore his ACL very early in this game. I think it was in the middle of the first quarter, I want to say. Um, I think it was very very early in, into the game. I think it was like the first few minutes. Yeah. Tore his ACL. He's out for the season. He's probably going to be out a good portion of next season too um, because of the timeline of the injury. Um, very Not very good for him. The Cardinals were already bad though. So I don't think the Cardinals are necessarily going to be upset about getting a better pick overall if they can then like – trade that either to get a really good player or to manage use that pick to upgrade up upgrade a position that they didn't have before. So we'll see how that goes for the Cardinals. But honestly, this season was, wasn't going well for the Cardinals already. DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray are fighting on the sideline about what they're seeing. And there's a lot of drama going on in that team right now. I don't think his injury helps Kyler in the long run. I think now it's just, I think eventually going to look to get rid of him. Mm, I, I think he's too good to get rid of. I really do think yeah, he's a really good quarterback. Yeah, but I also really think he's too much of a cancer to everybody on his team to keep. 
don't think it's a cancer. I do. <laughs> like, we talked. We talked about this already. No, uh, you, it, we did. But it's just, you know how this, I think Kyler Murray does win a little bit on this. You want to know how? No. He'll get to play more Call of Duty now. <laughs> next, <laughs> next game. I'm done with There's this. no more games to be oh, had. That's it. Thursday night game then. Um, We do have to, oh, get our records. We already wrote down the records for the week. The records are 117 and a half and 88 and a half for Joe. I am 121 and a half and 82 and a half. I think we are in the 50 percentile. We're doing actually really, really good. I'm still six and a half games ahead. That is surprising. Man. I don't think, no, I think I counted wrong at some point because there's only four wins difference between us. But how is there four wins between us and then six games lost wise? I think I just can't count. Cool. All right. You got San Fran and Seattle. Um, game hasn't started yet. We have about half an hour. Um, Brock Purdy playing very well. I'm picking San Fran. Uh, That's easy. Me too. I think that defense is going to have something for the Seahawks. Um, I don't think the Seahawks will be able to do as much when it comes to passing football on this on San Fran than most people would think. Um, Brock Purdy is going to be able to make some plays that Geno Smith just hasn't been making over the last few weeks. Yeah. Or this will go the complete opposite direction and they'll be able to run the ball fine. Yeah, because Kenny Walker so. is a different beast as of recently. I just, I just don't think so, man. I just think San Fran's on a different level right now, playing with a very, very good um, mentality, and they're playing very tough. So, all that being the case, I do have to pick San Fran. Um, it's just a smart pick at this point, even though I've tried to pick smart against Seattle all year, and they managed to win some games and make me look so stupid. But as of the Seahawks been playing lately, I have to pick San Fran, even if it's in Seattle. That makes it a little, little iffy though. Because things like that don't happen. Did we talk about the Falcons at all? Okay, story for you. I did. I mentioned about on last podcast how the Falcons have repl- replaced um, Mariota. Mariota with um, the Cincinnati quarterback that they drafted. Oh, yeah, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. So, in the middle of this week, I think either yesterday or the day before, Marcus Mariota has left the team. Totally. Um, let's not get this twisted here. The Falcons are five and eight. I think they're, they have an outside shot at still making the playoffs if they win their division. Cause I think the division is so bad right now, mm-hmm. but otherwise I think the Falcons have pretty much waved their flag on the season. If they're putting in Desmond Ritter, I don't think unless Desmond Ritter has been doing something amazing in, in practice to where they think he's really going to be better for them. I think they are going to, they're taking a chance on putting Desmond Ritter in. They want to see what their third round pick has in store for them. I just think there was not like he was a first round pick and there's like pressure to put the guy in to see what he can do. But I think with them putting in a backup like that, a third round guy, not really proven behind Marriott who hasn't played bad for the Falcons this year. I think he's played okay, but I think that team just has a lot of flaws in it. The defense look looks good at times and other times they really can't do anything. And I think the Falcons need more pass catchers on that team. So, all that being the case, I just feel like, how do you feel about Marcus Murray quitting? I don't care. He's a nobody quarterback on a nobody team. I feel like he got $7 million from this team to be the starter. I feel like they told him he was going to be the starter this year. They told him he was going to be a bridge quarterback. And with a few games left in the season, they decided to go with somebody else. So, it looks kind of unprofessional how he would just leave. I think he knew what it was when they drafted the new quarterback. I feel like he, there was no way in his own brain that he truly believes that his play is not is like good enough to where they shouldn't question 
his play at all. I feel like he is a inaccurate at times. He makes some good running plays when necessary, but like I don't think he is beyond reproach when it comes to his play. So with him just deciding to leave the team, he's not only leaving money on the table that he could be getting paid, but I think he's also making his uh, standing for other teams potentially worse because he decided to walk out once things didn't go his way. Because there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that are backups and they're literally career backups and they make plenty of millions of dollars and they have a pretty good life. Honestly, I think I think it's a going saying that there is no better job than being a backup quarterback in the NFL. You get to hold a clipboard. You get to practice pretty much every week. You get to help the quarterback out. But really on game day, you really don't have to take any of the pressure unless you're the main guy gets hurt. And then you come in with no pressure on you. They don't really expect nothing of you anyway because you're a backup. So, like, there is not a lot of easier jobs in the league when it comes to not non-pressure situations than being a backup right now. So, I think with Mariota deciding to walk out on the team after they made that decision, doesn't make his position look much better. No, it doesn't. When it comes to getting a future, no, it makes it look worse. Like, oh, job are you going to do this again if I bench you? Right. I and I also feel like I feel where he's coming from though. I'm like, he can go go anywhere. He can go to a good team and be a backup and at least get a ring out of it. If he's going to be sitting on the bench, right? He can go be a backup in Kansas City where nobody's really going to see him play. Patrick Holmes is going to go win, potentially get a ring out of it. He can go be a backup anywhere, and he decided to go to Atlanta because he'd get the starting job and he'd be the he'd be the bridge guy. I just feel like when that didn't go his way, he decided to leave, and I think it's a bad look oh, yeah. for him. No, even I totally I, agree. Even though I feel like everybody – like it's an understandable situation. I just think it makes, it, makes him look a little bit iffy. Okay. Um – Honestly, we can go more. I think we're sitting here right in the sweet spot. So I'm going to go ahead and anybody that's listen to the podcast, we appreciate you so much. Um, make sure you go ahead, like our podcast, subscribe to our podcast, um, rate our podcast five stars. Um, I have my friend that I said I talked to about Ohio State all the time. He listened to one of our podcasts and gave us a really good review. Um, I'm not sure if he was just showing you nice. He could have been, but he rated the podcast five stars. And I actually saw because I... I know where he lives in New York, so it comes up on our podcast feed. So he actually listened to it. He rated our podcast five stars on Spotify. So definitely helps us out. Anybody else that's listening, if you can do that as well, thank you very much. You can share it with your friends, enemies, whoever you need to. We appreciate you. And go ahead and follow us on Twitter at JB Sports Pod, at Javante Boozer, at Jace Boozer One are the three pot, uh, three pot, three Twitters that we have. And that'll be it. I'm going to let Jace finish this off. This has been the JB Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for listening today. You guys have a nice day. Bye, y'all.